chapter 50. We are at the end of our sermon series on the book of Genesis. You are not, at, if you are doing the daily Bible readings and going through the, uh, through the uh, uh, study guide that, that, we, that we provided for you many weeks ago, you're not at the end of that. You have through the, through the end of November. But because of different things that are happening, we will, not, we will not be continuing Genesis next week specifically and then the last week of the month. So we, we are in chapter 50. And we are at the end of the story of, of, uh, that, that is recorded for us in the book of Genesis. We will be looking this morning at a man by the name of Joseph. Now, we've looked at the different, different people that God has worked through uh, in the book of Genesis together. I hope we've discovered not just about them, but I really hope we discover some things about us also. And the need that we have to be in the generation that God chose us to be here, to be the people that God has called us to be. We're not here just to study history. We're not here just to, just to gain knowledge of, uh, from, from the Scripture, although we need to do that. But, but there's a reason that God inspired these people to write the Scripture for us, that we, that we might hear His voice and that we might understand what He has for us and, and the things that, that He might be calling us to as his people in the day and time in which we live. The story of Joseph kind of ends uh, with a, a declaration on Joseph's part. And uh, we'll talk about how Joseph got to this place. But I would say this to you, that, that Joseph, and I, I, I always like to remind you, don't turn these people into supermen. They are normal men. Put flesh on them. Know that they are just like you and I, yet they are used of God. And, and you and I, too, can be used of God in this same way. Joseph had his issues just like every human being has their issues. You begin the story of Joseph, and actually you see, a bra- I think, a brash young man who God gave information to through a vision, but he, did not, he didn't know how to dis- disseminate that, and he didn't, he didn't really know how to share that with others. And so he did it in a way that, that actually led to contention among even his brothers and stuff. He, you know, there's, there's pride there, and, and God worked all throughout Joseph's life to bring Joseph to the place where God could use him in a way that would be clearly, as he was just with his brothers there in the, in the, in the, the desert of, of Canaan and, and tending to the sheep, that he could never imagine that he would be brought into the court of the most powerful man on the face of the earth and used to save not only the nation that he had been sent to, but used to save the nation that God was building called Israel and establishing in order that God might use that nation to to bring to the world the reality of his son, the Messiah. So we come to the end of this book. Look with me at verses 15 through 21, and here's what's recorded for us. Uh, It says this. It says, when Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, Jacob had died, they said, perhaps Joseph will hate us and may actually repay us for all the evil which we did to him. So they sent messengers to Joseph saying, before your father died, he commanded saying, thus you shall say to Joseph, I beg you, please forgive the trespasses of your brothers and their sin, for they did evil to you. Now please forgive their trespasses of the servants uh, of, of the God of your father. And Joseph wept when they spoke to him. All of this time has passed. 
He's already expressed forgiveness. He's already reestablished his brothers in, in, in his eyes and in their own eyes. He had made some promises to his father, yet they come to the end of his father's life. Something has changed. There's a, there's a crisis that happens here. And where do his brothers revert to? Joseph, please forgive us. Joseph, please forgive us. And I think in a real way, Joseph's heart was not only melted by, by the humility of the moment, but I think his, his heart was, had to be a little bit grieved. Oh, brothers, don't you know that I've already forgiven you? Haven't I already demonstrated to you that I have forgiven you? That, and, and, and then he makes this, this great statement. That, and there's our statement for today, church. A statement for wherever you are and whatever you're going through. God, give me this kind of heart in the world that you place me in. Joseph said to them, Do not be afraid, for I am the, in the place. For am I in the place of God? But as for you, you meant evil against me. But God meant it for good in order to bring it about as it is this day to save many people alive. Now, therefore, do not be afraid. I will provide for you and your little ones. And he comforted them, comforted them and smoke, uh, spoke kindly to them. Let's pray. Father, give us this heart, I pray today. As we close out this study of this wonderful book of beginnings, I pray that, that we hear the heart of Joseph, who you worked with all of his life, who in the midst of some very difficult times, you blessed him and you raised him up continually to put him in the place that you might use him for your kingdom's purposes. Father, we exist at your will. And we belong to you because of your great grace that has been poured out to us. And we believe, although we can't always understand it, Lord, that you have put us here for, for a purpose. And in the midst of living in this world, Lord, sometimes things happen that break our hearts. People speak against us. People do against us. Lord, give us your heart for them. Give us a heart of the Savior. But when he was hanging upon that old, cruel tree, that these words, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Lord, I pray you give us that heart today. How desperately that heart is needed in the time in which we now live. Let us be a light. Let us be salt. Let us be your people in this dark world. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. When you see Joseph here, you see a man who is also at the end of his life. You see a man here who has been through much and has faced much adversity. You see a, a, a man here who has been treated unkindly. He's been lied about. Uh, he's been misused. He's been abused. He has been falsely accused. All of these things have happened in his life. You see a man here who could have turned bitter. Who could have let the circumstances of his life turn him to, into a bitter, vengeful man. He had all the power. He had all the authority to bring great punishment upon his brothers. And upon anybody else that had misused him and abused him. Yet it's not recorded in the scripture anywhere in the book of Genesis where Joseph ever 
sought retribution against those who had lied about him, those who had falsely accused him, those who had imprisoned him. Joseph had been given a heart by God, an incredible heart by God. And I stand before you today as your pastor saying, God, give me that. Please give me that heart. I don't have that heart. It's not in my nature to have that heart. I have the kind of heart, if I'm just brutally honest with you, that would be the kind of heart that would want to get back. You know, I'm the eye for the eye kind of guy. Except for, I'm like you. I don't like when the eye for the eye is turned around toward me. There's something in us that says we have to be the ones that make things right. We have to be the ones that, that, that correct that which we think is incorrect. The problem with that kind of approach is we don't see everything. We don't know everything. We don't have all the information. That's why God says, vengeance is mine, said the Lord. I will repay. Why? Because God has all the information. God knows what's right, completely right. God knows what's correct, completely correct. We don't have that ability. Do you, would you at least admit that? And yet sometimes we try to make things right in our own eyes. And, and, and if the truth be told, many times we make things worse than they were before we got involved in those things. To have the heart of Joseph, to be able to say what God, what you meant for evil, what you meant for, for to, to destroy me, what you meant to, to, to take me out, God has turned that around, and God has made it for the good. Kind of reminds me of what Paul writes in the 8th chapter of the book of Romans, when he says, when he says uh, we know that all things work together for the good to those who love God and to those who are called according to his purpose. You know, she doesn't say everything that happens to us is good. He says God is in control. He says that God is capable to rise above every bad thing that happens to us in this human life. And you see, Joseph got that. That's why Joseph was able to forgive those who harmed him, to to not only forgive those, but look at what he does for his brothers. He said, listen, brothers, it's not just that I won't kill you. It's not just that, I, that I'm just forgiving you. But listen to what he says. He said, you know what, brothers? I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to pour blessings out into your life. I'm not just going to stand back and say, you should have known better. You shouldn't feel that way. You shouldn't have those kind of emotions. I'm not going to be that kind of person. I'm going to be the kind of brother that says, I love you. I've forgiven you. And my love and my forgiveness is so much that I'm even going to take care of you. You don't have to worry about a thing. Oh, that God would give us that heart in our generation and in our time. The world is so divided. Amen. Our country is so divided. And sometimes we Christians are not helping that out. Sometimes we Christians are the cause of a lot of issues that we find in this world because we won't have the grace that our Savior poured out to us. We won't give the forgiveness that he forgave us with. We won't give somebody a little bit more than, 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 than what God has given us. We won't, we won't do that. We've got to prove that we're right. We've got to prove that, we're, that, 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 that they need to listen to us. We, the church needs to be broken. The church needs to be humbled. Our hearts need to be changed. Listen, it's not enough any longer just to be right. And by the way, it never was enough. We've got, we've got to have the heart of God. This world needs Jesus. What kind of Jesus are they seeing in you? What kind of Jesus are they seeing in me? 
These are important questions that we have to ask. Sometimes when we think we're on the winning team, it gives us the permission to put the thumb on the losers. Joseph didn't do that. But we had all power to do that. By the way, Jesus didn't do that. All power in heaven and earth was given to Jesus Christ. With one word, he could have crushed his opponent. With one word, he could have crushed his opponents. And yet what did he do? He let them impale him to a cross. He let them mock him. He let them hate. And from that cross, listen, it's from the cross that Jesus expressed that he loved them. You need, we need to understand, it wasn't from the throne so much that day as it was from the cross that Jesus said, I love them. The heart of Joseph, the heart of Joseph to love others and to trust the Father. Now, which others are we called to love? The Bible makes it very clear. We're called to love all men. We're called to love all people. What is that love supposed to look like? It's supposed to look like the love of Jesus. It's not supposed to look like the love of Christians trying to do their best to mimic Jesus' love. It is called to be Jesus' love lived out through us to other people. Like Joseph, we're called to love others, even those who would abuse us, and trust the Father. May God help us do that. Now, lest you think Joseph is, 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 I mean, he's second to Pharaoh. We say, of course, he can be magnanimous. Of course, you know, Joseph lived the life of Riley. Not Riley Taylor or Riley Pierce, but the life of Riley. He lived, of course, he could do that. Of course, he could be that way. Don't forget where Joseph was. Don't forget what Joseph went through. And on the other side, he comes out a seasoned, loving, caring, empathetic man of God. And folks, I believe that's where God wants to move us, to that place. Consider the things that Joseph went through. Consider what he had to face as an example of trusting God and not not letting the circumstances of life turn you to being bitter. And hateful and resentful. Very quickly, you have your Bibles, follow along with me as we go. We're going to go back a little bit here in Genesis. We'll go through this very quickly. Joseph trusted God when his brothers sold him into slavery. Go to the 37th chapter. Starting with verse 24, listen to what it says right here. It says, then they, they took him and they cast him into a pit and the pit was empty and there was no water in it. And they sat down to eat a meal. Then they lifted up their eyes and looked. There was a company of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead with their camels bearing spices balm and myrrh and they were on their and, and, and they were on their way to carry them down to Egypt so Judah said to his brothers what profit is there if we kill our brother and conceal his blood come let us sell him to the Ishmaelites and let let not our hand be upon him for he is our brother our flesh and the brothers listened verse 28 then the Midianite traders passed by So the brothers pulled Joseph up and lifted him up out of the pit and sold him to the Ishmaelites for 20 shekels of silver, and they took Joseph to Egypt. Joseph trusted God when his brothers sold him into slavery. 
Can you even imagine? Can you imagine what must have been going on in that family unit? Talk about a dysfunctional home. Talk about the ability to let circumstances and any attitudes and, and all those things creep up and cause such hatred within the family unit that you would actually take your brother and you would sell him into slavery. And as you continue to read this passage here, what they, what they did next just adds insult to injury, if you will, because they took that beautiful coat that his father had given him and they ripped it and they dipped it in blood and they took it back to their father and, and they let their father's imagination run wild with it. And where did Jacob's mind go? Of course it went wherever all parents' minds would have gone. He said, oh no, my son is dead. And you notice not one of Joseph's brothers said, oh dad, he's not dead. They just let their dad deal with that emotion. I want you to see the heart of Joseph here. Joseph trusted God. Joseph was learning to follow God. And in the midst of hearing the, after hearing the voice of God, we have the first thing that happens to this young man is that he's taken by his own brothers. They cast him into a well. When they find opportunity uh, to sell him, they sell him to, as a slave, and he goes down into Egypt. As far as his brothers were concerned, Joseph is out of the picture. As far as his dad is concerned, Joseph is dead. And Joseph finds himself next in slavery in Egypt. And he is purchased by a man by the name of Potiphar. And in Potiphar's house, God blesses Joseph because Joseph is Joseph who has a heart for God. And God pours out blessings upon Joseph. But in the midst of God blessing Joseph, by the way, I want you to notice this, Potiphar's house was not the last place for God, uh, for Joseph. Slavery was not the last place for Joseph. In the midst of God blessing Joseph, something happens. And we come to the next part where Joseph trusts God. Joseph trusts God when he's lied about and when he's falsely accused. Go to chapter 39, starting with verse 10, and it records this for us. So it was as she spoke to Joseph, this is Potiphar's wife, as she spoke to Joseph day by day, that he did not heed her to lie with her or to be with her. But it happened about this time when Joseph went into the house to do his work, and none of the men of the house was inside, that she caught him by his garment, saying, Lie with me. But he left his garment in her hand and fled and ran outside. And so it was when she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and fled outside, that she called the men of her house and spoke to them, saying, See, he is brought into us a Hebrew, to mock us. He came in to me to lie with me, and I cried out with a loud voice. And it happened when he heard that I lifted up my voice and cried out that he left his garment with me, and he fled and went outside. Joseph, in the house of Potiphar, gains the favor of God and the favor of Potiphar. He's put, again, just next to the master of the house in authority. But the wife of the master had eyes for, for Joseph. Joseph could not sin against God, and he could not sin against Potiphar to join in a sexual relationship with Potiphar's wife. He refused it over and over again. And then the day came when he was found alone with her, and she had authority over him being the master's wife. And once again, he refuses. And as he refuses and tries to flee, as we read here, she takes a hold of his garment. And he runs out of there, and she has his garment in, his ha in her hand. 
and she turns the tables. Or so she thought she turned the tables on him. And she accuses him of basically trying to rape her. And she has the evidence because she's holding his garment in, a, in his hand. She falsely accuses him. And when Potiphar comes home, what do you think the husband is going to do? Now, I just have a thought right here. You know how my mind goes sometimes. I wonder on down the road, when, when Joseph is raised up, and we haven't got there yet, but I'm just wondering on down the road when Joseph is raised up, I wonder how Potiphar and his wife are doing. I mean, you have Joseph who's second to Pharaoh, and now these people who have falsely, I wonder, but you don't have any indication that Joseph went back and said, I'm going to take care of Potiphar, I'm going to take care of this woman. Once again, you see the heart of the man. He has a heart for God when he's sold into slavery. He has a heart for God when he's lied about and he's falsely accused. And the next thing we see is that Joseph trusted God when he was thrown into prison. Same chapter, chapter 39. Look at verses 19 through 21. It says here, And so, so it was when his master heard the word which his wife spoke to him, saying, Your servant did to me after this manner, that his anger was aroused. Then Joseph's master took him and put him in a prison, a place where the king's prisoners were confined. And he was there in prison. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. Joseph, taken by his brothers, sold into slavery, moved into the house of this captain-type person, raised up in authority of that house, falsely accused by the Wife of that man, that man comes home, he's, he's filled with anger, and then they cast Joseph into prison. He's guilty, according to them, and, they, and she had the goods. But notice, once again, Joseph is cast into prison, and what does God do? God blesses Joseph. Are you catching a theme here yet? I hope that you are. The theme is this. It should never be our situation or our circumstances that determine the kind of people that we are. I understand the pressure of being in different situations, in different kinds of circumstances. I also know the reality of giving in to those situations and circumstances and let them change, letting them change who I am. I, I know I have, and, and you probably have too, let those circumstances make you, or at least blame them for making you into a person that you know that you're not. They take control of us, or we let them have control of us. And then we, became, we become reactionary, and we trust in our reaction to the circumstance rather than continuing to trust God, God, excuse me, God regardless of the circumstances that we find ourselves in. It's not an easy thing, folks. I don't present this as an easy thing. But once again, I would encourage you and, and, and me also that, that, that to, to, to ask God, and I don't think it's the only way it's going to happen. Ask God, give me that heart. Give me that heart that loves other people, regardless. And give me that heart, Father, that trusts you completely, no matter what the situation and circumstance. Joseph goes into prison, and God blesses him there. Again, the prison captain, he pretty well gives a, the the. Authority completely over to Joseph. And you know how the story goes. The 
wine taster, the butler, and the baker of Pharaoh get into trouble. They cross Pharaoh some way. We don't know why or how. So Pharaoh says, to prison. They go to prison, and God gives them a dream. Each of them a dream. To the cupbearer or the butler, the interpretation of the dream that God gives to Joseph to tell him is that in three days, Pharaoh will take you out of this place, and once again, you will hold Pharaoh's cup for him. He will restore you to your place. But to the baker, he says, listen, God, God tells me this. In three days, you'll be brought before Pharaoh, but not to a place of restoration, but you will be killed. And it comes to pass that way. Before the butler leaves, Joseph says, remember me when you're restored. The scripture records for us, it's two years. Can you imagine? How many of you are impatient with God? Come on, we are impatient people. How much time do you give God to act in your life before you assume he's not going to act or he's not acting? Later on in the story here, way later on, there's a man by the name of Moses. Do you know that God did significant things in his life? Do you realize that he did those significant things in 40-year intervals? 40 years? 40 seconds and we're upset. 40 seconds, we have no longer have any expectation of God even answering our prayers. We expect God to act on our timetable in the manner that we want him to do that. Two years, Joseph is in prison. And God is with him in that prison. And finally, God gives Pharaoh a dream. Or actually, two dreams. Two dreams. And all of a sudden, a light goes on for the butler. And he says, oh, I know this guy. Because none of the magicians in Egypt could answer the dream, what's going on. But God gave Pharaoh such a heavy heart when it came to the dream that he couldn't just let it go. It was an awful dream. A dream of seven fat cows that are eaten by seven scrawny cows. And when they get done eating those scrawny cows, they're as scrawny as they were before. That's a crazy dream. You wonder if he had chili the night before, right? But God wouldn't let it go. God wouldn't let it go. So God gives him another uh, another dream. And this dream has seven fat, uh, I don't even know how to completely describe it, things of, of wheat. Shoots of wheat, not shoots. What is it? Stocks. Okay, I'll do stocks. Stocks of wheat. <laughs> All right? And then there's seven scrawny stocks of wheat. And the seven scrawny ones consume the seven fat ones and they're as scrawny as they were before. Once again, Pharaoh is overcome with this dream. He can't let it go. And so finally, Joseph is brought before Pharaoh. That brings us to the next point. Joseph trusted God when he was brought before Pharaoh. What if you were brought before the, the most powerful man on the face of the earth? Joseph trusted God. Look with me in chapter 41, and starting with verse 14, and here's what it said. Then Pharaoh sent and called Joseph, and he brought him quickly out of the dungeon, and he shaved, changing his clothing, and came to Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, I have had a dream, and there is no one who can interpret it, but I have heard it said of you that you can understand a dream to interpret it. So Joseph answered Pharaoh, saying, now this is the key part, it is not me, 
God will give Pharaoh, God will give Pharaoh an answer of peace. Joseph trusted God when he was brought before Pharaoh. Look at his journey. He trusted God when he was sold into slavery. He trusted God when he was falsely accused and lied about. He trusted God when he was thrown into prison. He trusted God when he was brought before Pharaoh. And when he stood before the most powerful man on the face of the earth, here's what he said. He said, Pharaoh, it's God. Pharaoh, it's all about God. Pharaoh, no man can tell you what you need to know, but Pharaoh, you need to know that God can do this. Now understand the complexity and the time in which, which Joseph did this. The Egyptians, by the way, tonight in the evening message, I'll talk about some of their false gods. But the Egyptians had multitudes of gods. They had a god for everything under the sun and things above the sun. So Pharaoh was, was this believer in a, in a plurality of deities. Later on in history, the office of Pharaoh itself became a part of that deistic system, but not, not at this time. And Joseph stands in the midst of this powerful man who had believed in a multitude of gods, and he said, Pharaoh, it's God. It's God. What if God took you before the most powerful person on the face of the earth, would you be willing to say, it's God? Before you say, oh yeah, I would, I'm just like Joseph. How many people, either face to face, on social media, or wherever, did you and I have an opportunity this week to point them to Jesus, and we didn't? When the world asks for answers, for direction, for understanding, what is it that comes out of my mouth or out of your mouth? We assume if we were brought before the mightiest person in the land, we would clearly say Jesus. But yet we won't do it before our neighbors and the people we work with and our family members. You see, they need to hear church. They need to hear it is Jesus. It is Jesus that is the hope of this world. And they're not going to hear that unless there are some Josephs in the church today who will stand and say wherever God gives opportunity when someone says, I hear this about you or I understand this about you and, and you, you're this and you're that and you're this other thing and you say, no, it's not me. It's Jesus. The Apostle Paul said this, be ready. Be ready, church. To give a reason for the hope that is within you. And you know what? We only have one reason for the hope that we have. Amen? It's Jesus. It's Jesus. Joseph trusted God when he stood before Pharaoh. And then finally, Joseph trusted God when he dealt with his brothers. 
who had done him evil. Look with me at chapter 45, verses 3 through 8. We're getting close to the end, so listen to what what he says here. He said, Then Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Does my father still live? But his brothers could not understand him, for they were dismayed in his presence. They were overcome with his presence. And Joseph said to his brothers, Please come near me. So they came near. Then he said to them, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into, into Egypt. But now do not therefore be grieved or angry with yourself because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. For these two years the famine has been in the land. And there are still five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvesting. And God sent me before you to preserve a a posterity for you in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So now it was not you who sent me here, but God. And he has made me a father to Pharaoh and a lord of all his house and a ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. Joseph trusted God when he faced his brothers and he revealed to his brothers who he was. And look at what he says. This is by the hand of God, brothers. God has allowed this to happen. God has done this even through you so that I might be here at this time and give life. Church, listen. God has done whatever he's done in your life to bring you to this time. And every born-again believer in this church here today you have a testimony of how god has worked in your life and some of those are very unique testimonies i've heard many of them how god has worked in your life and how god has brought you to this place and stuff please remember as with joseph god has brought us to this place listen so that we might give life you say pastor i can't give life oh yes you can you have been given the message of eternal life. You are a disciple of Jesus Christ. You are a missionary sent out into a lost and dying world with the one message that they need that can tr- change and transform their eternity. You are no we are no different than Joseph. But like Joseph, we have to recognize that God has brought us to this place and God has has done all these things in our life, whatever our journey might be, to bring us to the place where we could where we could stand in our generation and say, listen, it doesn't matter what they do to us. It doesn't matter what they say about it. It doesn't matter if they love us, like us, agree with us. We're not here to argue. We're not here to get in fights. We're not here to, to, to cause contentions. We are here to share the message of life. Why? Because... We love all people. And we trust our Father. Think with me. And I'll close with these thoughts. Will we trust the Lord when those closest to us treat us horribly? Will we trust the Lord when people lie and falsely accuse us? Will we trust the Lord when they imprison us and take our freedoms away?
Will we trust the Lord when we are brought up before people of authority and power? And will we trust the Lord when the Lord brings our enemies before us? Will we trust the Lord? Do you understand what it needs to look like? Like Joseph, we demonstrate that we trust the Lord by loving all people and by trusting God with our very lives. I'm going to ask you to bow your head with me this morning. My prayer this morning for every person in this church is that Joseph's story becomes our story. And the heart that the Holy Spirit gave Joseph in the midst of all kinds of dire and and, and difficult circumstances that he would give us. The world we live in today is not a surprise to God. He knew and he knows what this world is like. And our God is not impotent, church. And he's not uninvolved and he's not apathetic. But he has called us to be his body in this world. He's not called us to be just another expression of a religious belief system. He's called us to be the very body of Christ in the world. Which means, as we act and as we react, we must look like Jesus. Now, in order for that to happen, first of all, you have to have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And if you're here today and you have never put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you've never acknowledged Him as your Lord and Savior, We want to give you that opportunity.